Welcome back to Your Haunted Holiday, Episode 2. My name is Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. And if you listened to the last episode, you know that we talked about Savannah, Georgia and the Marshall House, and we're going to continue on that theme a little bit today. So consider this your companion piece to your trip to Savannah. It's a place that we highly recommend that you go to while you're there. Um, it is a house that has been featured on numerous television shows. If you've watched shows like Most Terrifying Places in America, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures, it's also been on HGTV, too many to count, then you are going to want to listen to this episode to hear the scoop on how you can do your own ghost hunt in the Sorrel Weed House. In the last episode, we talked about the Marshall House in Savannah, Georgia, and this is kind of a place that you, you know, Savannah in general, it is known for its haunted history. We talked a lot about in the last episode, Civil War. So if you didn't go and listen to that episode and you want to hear more about the history of Savannah, I would encourage you to do that. And that obviously is going to play a part in the history of the Sorrel Weed House as well. But one thing to keep in mind that we didn't talk about in the last episode was Savannah actually has a ton of history in the Revolutionary War with the British. And the biggest battle in Savannah, it's called the Siege of Savannah, and it happened in the fall of 1779, and it was the second deadliest battle in the Revolutionary War. Um, they actually call it the bloodiest hour, and over a thousand people were dead within that hour in Savannah. Whoa. Yeah, and the British actually won that battle and they were able to hold on to Savannah, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but why this is really important, especially for the Sorrel Weed House, is where the battle took place and where the British had their fortifications is on a place called Madison Square, which is actually directly across the street from where the Sorrel Weed House was later built. So during the Revolutionary War, it was just land. There was no houses built there, but there were British fortifications fortifications as well as barracks and and it is said that some of those barracks were actually on the spot where the Sorrel weed house was later built and in fact it was hit with a cannon and 12 British soldiers died as a result of that cannon hit and they claim that that was actually on the site of the Sorrel weed house which is really interesting so this is back all the way in the 1700s, Lindsay, that we already have 12 British soldiers that have been killed on this plot of land where this house is. So a lot of history before it's even really begun. So I thought that was really interesting and a big part of the haunt too because there are a lot of reports of British soldiers that are seen throughout the house and in particular the basement that you, what you want to keep an eye out for. But the most famous story about the house is, is very, very tragic. The house itself was built in the 1830s for Francis and Matilda Sorrell and they actually moved into the house in 1840. Matilda and her husband were very much in love. Apparently she did go through bouts of depression though because back in those days 
you know, children died pretty commonly. She had several kids, and from what I've read, she did have a couple children that died, and so she was pretty depressed as as a result of that. The other thing to keep in mind back in these days, you know, this is even prior to the Civil War, and this is the South, so they had slaves. Um, and at any given time in the Sorrel Weed House, there were between 9 to 15 slaves actually living on the property. And there was one slave in particular um, that is talked about as part of the history of this house and being really significant, and the slave's name was Molly. And Molly was actually considered kind of the head housemaid. Most of the time back in those days, the slaves they, when they were doing things for the house, they mainly stayed on the bottom floors and only a handful of slaves were allowed to go into the upper upper floors of the house. And Matilda, you know, kind of looked at Molly as her, you know, right-hand man to assist her with things when she needed that. And one day, Matilda was actually looking for Molly and she could not find her. She was looking for her. She went ahead and went downstairs where she thought she might be. She didn't see her there. She went to the courtyard. She didn't see her in the courtyard. And then she goes, well, maybe she's in her room. That's the only other place Molly could be at this point. I've checked everywhere. So she actually goes to where um, the slaves have communal living quarters on the property. It's called the carriage house. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, later in this episode. But So she goes to the carriage house. And Molly was actually the only slave at this time at the on the property to have their own room in this carriage house. So she goes up the stairs of the carriage house to the room and finds that her husband is you know, sleeping with Molly, which is so disgusting, Lindsay, because no matter how you look at it, there's not a ton of history or, or facts around this that that I was able to find. So a lot of this, you know, I would, it's disturbing to think, but, you know, I don't know that she even had the opportunity to say no. You know what I mean? Right. We don't know if this was something Molly was okay with or if she was forced into it. So that's something that you have to keep in mind when when you think about this story that's quite disturbing. And when thinking about just slavery in general, I can't imagine we could look at anything as being consensual, regardless of what it is, right? Exactly my point. Exactly. So um, really disturbing. So um, Matilda, the wife, sees this happening leaves and apparently left the room like composed walked into the house went into her bedroom and went on the balcony which is the third floor of the house and threw herself from the balcony onto the pavement below and actually landed head first and met her end and that was on march 27th 1860 when that took place now two weeks later Molly was also found dead, and she was actually hanging by a rope from her room in the carriage house. It is highly disputed. Nobody really knows if Molly committed suicide or if it was murder. It's really all speculation. There's not, you know, that's not something that we're ever going to know the answer to. But it is highly speculated that she was actually murdered in that room. And and there are, or there is some evidence that I'm going to show you a little bit later um, that I think really, really goes to that. So I'll be interested to get your take on that um, evidence that I'm going to show you 
you a little bit later, Lindsay. The other thing that I found when I was re researching this house and I thought it was really interesting, there are several websites out there that dispute this claim of Matilda actually dying and committing suicide in the Sorrel Weed House. A lot of these websites claim that she actually had moved out of that house at that time and was living just next door and had actually committed suicide at the house next door. And they dispute, you know, because that's the case, there's no way that this could have happened to Molly because the Sorrells weren't actually living in the house at the time. When I was looking at the dates, I did question this as well because as I said, she actually died in 1860 and records do show that Henry Weed, hence the name the Sorrell Weed House, the second owner of the house, actually bought the house in 1859. So I understand why there are some questions on it. I, I did go to the SorrellWeedHouse.com and they don't really address it specifically, but they do address it indirectly. And, and how they explain that difference in time frame is that they know that Matilda was living in the house at the time of her suicide and also says that it was a complicated transaction. So when Henry Weed bought the house, he had actually requested numerous things be done to the house before he moved in. So there was no set move out date. We don't know the exact date that the Sorrells moved out of the house. However, according to the SorrellWeedHouse.com, they are saying that it was a complex transaction and that is why there is kind of a difference in those time frames. So that was kind of interesting. At first I was like, oh my gosh, is this story not true that right. I've been hearing? Because if you have watched any of those shows that I had referenced earlier at the, the opening, they all talk about that story of Matilda and Molly. And I thought that everything that I knew was a lie. Well, absolutely. And, and think about this too. So if let's say Matilda didn't end up passing away on the property, is that connected as well to Molly? I mean, would Molly also not have? So it sounds to me like the Sorrell Weed House probably does have some evidence that they were in fact there on the property, but it is interesting to look and say, yeah. hey, there's always that possibility that it's different than what you think. Right. I mean, it's it's definitely questioned, right? There are a lot of questions out there online whether or not that really did happen on the property. Um, and like you said, it calls into question everything about, okay, well, if that happened, then was Molly killed in her room on the property? That wouldn't make sense either, right? Um, but the Sorrell Weed House, I did think had a pretty good answer for it that I'm satisfied with. You know, I do think regardless of whether or not that story I mean, we do know based on record, by the way, that Matilda did leap to her death. Well, it could have been murder. She could have been pushed, right? All right. of those things are in question because this was a long time ago. But the she did either fall or was pushed or leapt to her death from a balcony, whether that be the Sorrell Weed House or the house next door. That's kind of the main fact that's that's disputed here. But regardless of that, I could tell you, this place is haunted, Lindsay. No I got, <laughs> I have no doubt that this, I mean, if you just look at the facts from the Revolutionary War and where the land is itself, it's definitely haunted from that. And then my own experience, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the things that we experienced when we were there doing a paranormal investigation. And like, 
even if you didn't experience anything, I feel like you just walk in, you're like, this place is haunted. Yeah, you get some creepy vibes immediately. There is no joke about that. Absolutely. And and so put those things aside, right? The other thing that we know also happened in the house is Francis Sorrell's son, Frank Sorrell, was a surgeon. And he actually moved back in with his parents to kind of do his surgical practice as a doctor. And he used one of the rooms in the basement to do that. And what his main focus was trauma surgery. And if you listen to the last episode, we know what these trauma surgeries are. A lot of these are going to be amputations and things, you know, that are pretty severe, right? So although a lot of his patients survived, a lot of them probably didn't. And it's said that a lot of the ghosts may actually come from some of his patients that died in the house when they were getting surgery. Right. And in fact, there's a room in the basement um, where he performed most of those surgeries. And there's a lot of uh, history of people experiencing being touched. And a lot of people think that it's potentially patients that were in that room that had passed away. Yeah, let's talk about some of the hauntings in the house because that's really the, the primary history that we know. This is Lisa, and are you ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime? You've heard me delve into the world of haunted travel, exploring eerie locations, and uncovering spine-chilling tales. And now I'm thrilled to announce the launch of something very special to me, which is my own travel agency, brought to you by Your Haunted Holiday. As our listeners know, I'm not just passionate about haunted travel, I live and breathe it. From researching the most haunted destinations to planning unforgettable journeys, I'm here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the thrill of a haunted location or craving a getaway to somewhere a little less spine-tangling, I've got you covered. And here's the best part, my services are absolutely free. Let me put my travel skills to good use by helping you plan the perfect escape. Simply visit yourhauntedholiday.com and click on the Travel Agency by Lisa link at the top of the page in the menu. So where will your next adventure take you? Let's make it a journey you'll never forget. Contact Your Haunted Holiday Travel Agency today and let's start planning. Your adventure awaits. The basement is really split up into three different sections. I would call, you know, there's one section that's kind of the main area where it was primarily used by the enslaved people to, you know, as a kitchen for laundry, that kind of thing. So the the big area was mainly a kitchen. Um, And then off to the side, there's a linen area. And in the linen area, they sometimes like smell floral scents or like detergent, that kind of thing. But in the surgery room in particular, that is where they say probably is the most active area of the house is where those surgeries took place. Like you said, Lindsay, there it is very known for actually touching of like your ankles and things like that. Um, There's also a little girl named Sarah that apparently really enjoys playing hide-and-go-seek and and that kind of thing. 
Um, and we're not sure if it's Sarah, but whoever it is in that room also removes earrings from people. If you go into that room, a lot of times what they'll say is if you're wearing earrings that you really like, like maybe they're an heirloom or they're real diamonds, I wish, right? Um, then you should probably remove those before entering the room because people have been known to have their earrings go missing or actually being taken off right in front of them and then thrown across the room. That would be pretty scary. I agree. I agree. There's uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing seen in that room quite a bit. There is an old, old couch uh, that's down there in that surgery room. And when people sit down on that couch and they take pictures, apparently you can see kind of like a shadowy figure next to you sometimes, or you may get touched on that couch itself. That's something that's supposed to like really kind of egg that on. Some other things in the basement, probably the biggest thing in the basement, probably the biggest thing the Sorrel Weed House is famous for is what is called the Shadow Man. And I gotta say, we'll talk about this, but this Shadow Man thing totally freaked me out when I was Me there. too. I, I mean, it's just a scary thought. And how they described the Shadow Man is a very tall, like abnormally tall, thin figure that is in this breezeway area of the basement. So it's almost like a long but semi-open hallway would be the best way I could describe it. How how would you describe that, Lindsay, that, that breezeway? Yeah, it's a hallway just kind of on the outside of the, um, of the basement that is you know, it's open air to an extent. So yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, and the shadow man is apparently very territorial. So when you enter into this space, a lot of people have felt really, you know, dark sensations. They've seen the shadow man. But this is the other story that I know Lindsay's going to laugh about a little bit. But they're, they've sat a chair. It's not a historical chair. It's, it's not like, you know, something from the 1800s. Just a chair that they've put in there. And people who have sat on this chair claim to have felt the feeling of every single emotion possible at once hitting them. And then these people that where this happens, like, run out of the building right away. Right. And so I, I don't know, I'm very skeptical about that kind of thing. But, I, you know, like you actually told me, you know, you said, hey, a lot of people don't even believe in ghosts to begin with. So until you've seen one or until you've had an experience, you just never know. So I'm just one of those folks that um, I'm skeptical about about that. It is scary down there, right? So when all the lights are off and you think maybe there's a shadow man going to roll up on me here any second <laughs> who knows where your emotions are headed in that moment so I don't know I'm skeptical and I I did sit in the chair on our tour I was yes. terrified so I'm not acting like I'm some brave person <laughs> but we all it took a lot for us even to go into the corridor when we were there doing our hunt and when we did my make our way over there I, I went ahead and sat in the chair for a while and I didn't really have any experiences, but I'm also a skeptic when it comes to that stuff. So that could be why. Yeah. It's so, like you said, it's so funny because people look at us and think we're nuts. And then we think, 
Oh, you felt every emotion come through your body. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but other people think the same thing about us, which is something you got to remember. But I am also skeptical. I, I'm not going to lie. I am. And I think part of that is until you feel it, maybe you're not going to understand it. And maybe it's not possible for us to feel it either. Because if you think about psychics or mediums, I do not claim to be a psychic or somebody that's very attuned to that kind of thing. And for me, maybe maybe it's people that are just particularly attuned to to spirits and, and ghosts. But interesting nonetheless. It's it's a common um but the Shadow Man is that aside very frightening because apparently he's seen like pacing along that breezeway and he's featureless. So you don't see any facial features. It's just a tall dark skinny guy that paces along and kind of darts around in the basement which is really really frightening another area of the house that you get to go on a tour in is the parlor rooms and they were known for holding parties big parties in these rooms and a lot of the hauntings based on you know what i've seen online seems to be very residual Things like they're holding parties, you can hear people talking, people smell cigars and brandy, but they've also been known to see full body apparitions in those rooms. So a lot of activity. The next area of the house, which I found really scary when I was there, was the carriage house. And basically what the carriage house is, is it's a place where when people would pull up to the house, because this is a large mansion, estate, People would pull up to the house for parties. They would actually park their carriages there and then have, you know, horse horse stalls and things like that in the bottom floor. But then in the upper floor, that was actually a communal living space for the slaves and where Molly's room was located. So things to look for there. A lot of people say that that you could see a noose hanging from the ceiling of Molly's room where she was found. And I'm going to actually play for you, Lindsay, a really famous EVP, that, which stands for, for those of you that don't know, Electronic Voice Phenomenon. Uh, and this was actually taken by Taps during the Ghost Hunters live episode. They did a Halloween special there. <laughs> So what did you hear there, Lindsay? What do you think? This is your first time hearing that EVP. What did you think? Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely is compelling. Um, It sounds like someone yelling, maybe yelling for help. It sounds, I I, I don't know. I can't really make out what they're saying, but maybe a, oh my God. Ah, oh my God. I, I don't know. That's what I'm hearing on first listen. Yeah, I agree with you. It's very muffled, so you you do want to go and play that back. You can find it, find that recording online, and we'll actually, we'll post a link to that recording for you on our website if you want to go back and re-listen to that recording on your own time. But they do say that they hear a woman yelling for help. They also say they can hear what sounds like a man in the background. I wasn't able to make that out myself. Doesn't mean it's not there, but... I didn't hear that. And it does sound like the woman yelling has a deep southern accent. 
Did you get that? Hmm. So I felt like it was a man yelling when really? I listened to it. Yeah. Listen to it one more time. Sure. What did you hear that time? Did you hear a man or a woman? I don't know. I'm second guessing it now. I, I still feel like it's male, but other people could totally disagree with me. I, it's definitely someone yelling that's in distress. To me, there's there's no doubt about that. I hear a woman, clearly. Mm. Like, to me, there is no way it's a guy. This is like, is it a blue dress or a gold dress? It is, <laughs> but, it is, it is. There's no doubt in your mind it's a woman, really? No, to me, it clearly sounds like a woman. Hmm. Okay. I could be off, but that's just my, this is literally my first time listening to the recording and that's just my first impression. Well, that's why these EVPs are so interesting, right? Because everybody can have their own kind of take on, you know, what they're hearing in them. It is clearly somebody yelling in distress, right? And that recording was taken from within Molly's room where she was found hanging. And when I talked about, you know, it's it's all speculation whether or not it was suicide, whether or not it was murder, we don't know. I think that does go to evidence of, you know, foul play happening um, with Molly. All right, so we've talked about the history, some of the hauntings, the tours. So this place, you can't necessarily stay overnight like you would a bed and breakfast or a hotel, but they do have several tour options. There are a couple different tours, which are just standard kind of like ghost hunter house tour is one of them. Um, it's an hour long tour of the house. They're going to talk about the haunted history and that's $20. And they there's some additional add-ons that you can do. So that's kind of your basic the one that me and Lindsay did is called the Paranormal Investigations Tour, and it's only done on weekends. It's 11.30 p.m. until 2 a.m., and it's only $50 a person, which I thought was a really, really good deal. I mean, it's a little bit pricey for a two-and-a-half-hour tour, but it, I, I really felt like it was worth it. If you want to go and get an opportunity to actually ghost hunt in this historic location, and get access, I, I thought it was worth it. Right, and it's not just a normal tour, like here's everything, just go ahead and, you know, here's how it's haunted and go to it. They give you the actual equipment. So when you actually show up, they show you, they give you walkie talkies, they show you how to use, like one thing was a spirit box, I had never used that before. They had EMF detectors and they also had these motion detectors in several of the rooms that I thought were pretty cool and it's also live streamed for you so anybody you know can go actually watch the live stream and they will post the actual video of your investigation on YouTube so you can always go back the next day and watch it now one thing I will say do not wear leggings <laughs> to the store okay it is not a good look because you're in night vision and it looks like you're not wearing pants. 
I fortunately did not wear leggings, but another person on the tour did. Um, and we're going to actually post a link on the website um, for the episode of our tour that you can find on YouTube. Do not go in and watch the whole thing. It's two and a half, two and a half hours long. And it's not like watching Ghost Hunters where they cut out all the boring stuff and just include all the interesting things. It includes everything. But if you do want to get an idea of what that tour looks like, you're welcome to go to that link and, and watch our, our tour on YouTube, which was pretty neat to be able to go back and watch. Yeah, the other cool thing is because they do live stream your hunt, you can have like your friends and family log in and watch it while you're doing it, if they're interested. I mean, granted, it's a little bit long and boring because, you know, you're not cutting out all of the stuff where nothing's going on, but I thought it was pretty cool. All right, so basically what happens is they give you the history and then they send you in groups to different areas of the house and three different sections in particular. So one group goes to the parlor rooms, another group is sent to the basement where the scary shadow man and the surgeries are, and then they sent me and Lindsay along with another person that was randomly assigned to our group to the carriage house. And I have to say, it, Lindsay, it is terrifying when you go in there. That was the place I was definitely most scared to go, and that was the first place that they sent us. I was most scared of the basement because of the Shadow Man, but I agree. I felt like going into the carriage house, it's its its kind of startling because you go through kind of dimly lit in um, through the mansion with a tour guide, and they kind of tell you what to expect in each room, what to look for. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, you're going to your places and the lights are now off. It is pitch black. You've got some tools at your disposal to try to, you know, ghost hunt. And it's like now all of a sudden we're in the carriage house where, you know, slaves used to be. It's just kind of a sad history in general, right? And so now you're in this carriage house in the pitch dark that's known to be haunted. I was scared. There is no doubt. It took me a while to just kind of settle right and calm down and i must say when we first got up there the lights are out and we were like huddled together very tightly the three of us and this one poor random girl that we didn't know we're stuck we're like basically like an inch away from each other like if anybody tried to even walk further away i immediately tried to get closer because i was just scared and i think Lindsay, I'm going to tie Shark Week back in here for a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a theory that when I go out into the ocean and I go swimming, it's always a good idea to stay close to a large group of people. So even if these are random people that I don't know, I'm going to try to swim out to the people that like, so I'm in a group because if let's say a shark is swimming under the water and they see a group of people, they're going to say, nah probably don't want to attack you know somebody out of that group but then there's a straggler over here they're gonna attack that straggler and in this scenario so the ghosts are the sharks the ghosts are the sharks <laughs> and so my mind immediately went to that and was like we got it all huddling close oh, but I, I all of us were scared i thought this other person that we were with was gonna be like this brave person that has gone and done all of stuff. Oh no, we were huddled. Like we got close that night. <laughs> like yeah. there's, there's no personal space if you go on this tour. No. And so we had in our possession, we had walkie talkies. 
We had an um, uh, a K two meter. meter, which tracks electromagnetic fields, and then there was also a motion sensor in this room as well. And that motion sensor was actually in Molly's room. And Lindsay, why don't you tell them what happened? Because you're the one that really saw it. Yeah. I was kind of messing with the walkie-talkie at the time. So the idea between like a, K, a K2 where it's it's measuring electromagnetic fields, I mean, you should get a baseline reading and understand, okay, it's, it's not going off, right? And so if I set it on a bed, for instance, or in one location where it's sturdy and there's there's no activity happening on the meter, it shouldn't just go off at random. Same thing with the other motion sensor, which was on a chair in Molly's room where we could see it kind of near the entranceway and it had like an antenna that came up out of it. And if you walked up near it and put your hand like near the antenna, it would beep and light up and go off, right? And so when they were explaining this, this motion sensor to us before the tour even started, I said, oh my gosh, if that goes off, you know, and it's not us, that is gonna be terrifying. And so we're up in the carriage house, it's very early in and our walkie talkies had started kind of going off. We had the K2 meter set on a bed in the main carriage house room upstairs and it went off. I looked to my left, I heard a beeping um, to my left over towards Molly's room and I saw that motion sensor go off. There was no one even near it. And this thing was not just going off on its own at random ever. We never had a malfunction. Like I immediately was like, look, 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 look. Oh my gosh. And I was immediately just like, you know, my heart was like out of my chest. I was totally freaked. The whole room was... basically panicked. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. All three of us were like, and we should not do that. I mean, if you're like a ghost hunting situation, we should not be the panickers. And luckily we didn't, we didn't go screaming. We didn't run out of the room. We just went, oh my gosh, it's like, there's something. I was shocked that that happened. Yeah, and the rest of the time that we had in the carriage house, we didn't really experience anything else. That was really it, right? And then, so basically how the tour works is you spend, I think it's approximately 30 minutes in each of the three locations. We did our 30 minutes in the carriage house and then they actually moved us into the parlor room. So then we went to the parlor room and we did experience a couple things in the parlor room. The biggest thing was there was footsteps in the hallway. Clear Definitely. as day footsteps. I mean, it was as if a person was walking in there. And we actually used the walkie-talkie to ask the people in the basement, hey, is anybody in your group walking up towards the parlor rooms or in the hallway area? And they confirmed, no, we're nowhere near that because we wanted to be able to rule it out. And that was really creepy. Absolutely. And do you remember, I I remember you mentioning you saw like a shadow kind of over by the piano. In yeah, so in the parlor room, there's a piano and then there's a desk to the right of it. And I saw, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't super clear to me. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, it's dark. Your eyes are adjusting to the light. So it's hard for me to say that that was a ghost. I don't know. Um, right. But I mean, I did see something that seemed almost like, if I could describe it, like almost like smoky, like a gray kind of like smokiness over by that desk. Again, I don't know. My eyes were adjusting. I'm not certain right. what I saw. So not definitive, but certainly interesting. One yeah. piece of lots of different things that we got to experience. 
Yeah, exactly. So, and those were the main things that we had in the parlor rooms. And I gotta say, I felt a lot better in the parlor room. Maybe it was just because we had calmed down our adrenaline, had stopped rushing as much, and we started feeling a little bit more comfortable. And then our final stop was in the basement. So we got to end there. And that was actually pretty interesting. We got a lot brave. When we first got into the basement, I was going to say we got a lot braver. But at first, we were not. We were like, oh, my gosh, I don't even want to look where that shadow man is. You know, I in know. that way. I was, I was like, I'm not sure that we're going to even go over into that space. Because it's a pretty big basement. I was like, we could probably avoid that if we <laughs> want. The original plan was to not even go over where the shadow man is. We were just going to stick around near the surgery room and where the ghost Sarah hangs out. And yeah, but we ended up venturing out. I'm glad we did. We did. And we did not. We did try to get Sarah to play hide and go seek. I I don't remember that, you know, we had any kind of response to that. Although you did see something really weird when we were leaving the surgery room. Right. So... We were sitting on that old couch in the surgery room where people tend to get touched and have had a lot of different phenomena happen when they sit on the couch. So when we were sitting on the couch, we didn't have anything happen. We didn't have any experiences, but we decided to go ahead and get up and move into the next room. And as we stood up, um, we started walking into the next room. I saw what I would describe as an orb, a very bright orb, like near the ground. And as I moved towards it, it was moving away from me very quickly in a kind of a strange pattern. It didn't seem like a natural pattern. It seemed like kind of a quick trying to move away. And I said, look, 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 you know, there's there's an orb. And, and I am also, so I'm skeptical about people sitting in a chair and, you know, being overcome with feelings, but I'm also kind of skeptical about orbs as well. I think there's a lot of false um, sightings out there. I think there's a lot of video a lot of um, photo evidence out there that is just a bug or dust, something totally explainable. And I really, I couldn't explain this. And I did not see this light, Lindsay, but I will say I completely trust that you saw it. And the reason is because every time we are watching one of those ghost hunting shows and they're like, look, here's an orb. Me and you both immediately are like, that's a piece of dust. Get out of here with that. I'm very skeptical about orbs. Almost always I disregard it. There's been a couple situations where I've seen one and I'm like, "Mm, yeah, that that one is weird. Right. The other other interesting thing is that when we got back into the carriage house, kind of at the end to kind of regroup all of the groups together and we were talking through it. The lady that was running the live feed said she caught that moment on the live feed where I was reacting to it, but did not catch it on camera. So it was only- You cannot see it on the video. It was only visible to the human eye. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So then after we saw that, we did eventually get the courage to go over to the shadow man area. Lindsay actually impressed me because she sat on that chair. (laughs) Although I don't think she was that scared of feeling every emotion. But she did sit on that chair. And unfortunately, we did not see the shadow man. I actually kind of wanted to after, you know, I got a little bit of courage, you know, further on into our investigation. Yeah, I feel like our adrenaline had hit a high at a certain point and we finally did calm down enough to say, okay. But it was, if we had 
I looked for it on the feed later, and I don't think there's video of this, but the three of us slowly walking to the area of the room with the shadow man, we were huddled, like linked arm in arm, all three of us, just slowly taking small steps towards that area. So we were still totally freaked out, but by the time we got there, I kind of was like, okay, I don't see a shadow man. There's the chair. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to sit in the chair. So, but it all worked out. We, you know, I'm, I'm glad we didn't see the shadow man. That would have been pretty terrifying, honestly. Yeah, I agree. But anyways, that was really the end of the tour. And then we all kind of gathered and told our own experience. Some other people did have some, some interesting things that they encountered while they were, you know, in some of the other rooms. But I will say, Lindsay, it was a great tour. It made me really feel like I was on one of those ghost hunting shows because they give you all the stuff and you're in this place that's considered one of one of the most haunted houses in all of the United States. It's extremely famous and well-known and you get to go on this late night tour and really truly investigate with the lights out how you normally, how you would want to. It's kind of like your dream experience. So I got to say, totally. I think it's completely worth going to the Sorrel Weed House. It was a blast. I would complete, even though I was st- terrified, I would totally do it all over again. Um, but anyway, so please go to the Sorrel Weed House and do their paranormal investigation tour. It was amazing. I recommend Savannah in general, guys. If you want to have a haunted experience, Savannah is your go-to. But we want to hear your stories. Not only Savannah, any place that you could go on vacation, whether it's a hotel, an inn, some kind of excursion like the one we talked about today, and you've had an experience there, please go to our website, yourhauntedholiday.com. You can send us an email from there or just go to yourhauntedholiday at gmail.com and send us an email directly. Please subscribe and give us five stars. And next week, you can look forward to an episode on the Velisca Axe Murder House. <laughs>